We have two passages for our sermon this morning. One is an Old Testament passage, and it's Ezekiel 34. It can be found in your pew Bible on page 1,341. 1,341, Ezekiel chapter 34. And then following the reading of Ezekiel, we'll read John chapter 2. Hear now God's holy word. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, And there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, but in all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away, I will save my flock. And they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now turning forward 
in your Bibles to page 1,666 to read John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21, the words of Christ. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? That's for the reading of God's holy word. I recently, um, as I was studying for this sermon, looked up YouTube videos of sheep, shepherd, basically because this whole idea or concept is pretty foreign to most of us. Um, Most of us haven't been around sheep or shepherds, and therefore the illustration or the figure of speech that Jesus is using can seem a bit odd, or maybe... We can only think of sheep and shepherds as uh, ones that are controlled by sheepdogs. But back in the Middle East, at Jesus' time, and even today, that is not the way that the sheep were cared for. And I found one video on YouTube titled, Do Sheep Only Obey Their Master's Voice? It's a very short video, about three minutes long, where a number of test cases, different people, came up to a fence and started doing a sheep call to these sheep. And the sheep would just completely ignore these people. Not even recognize that they're making any noise. Not even look at them. Not even turn towards them. And this happened. One, two, three different people tried this. And then finally the shepherd came up, the one who owned the sheep. And he started calling out to them with this sheep call. And as soon as he started speaking, the sheep turned, looked up from grazing, started coming towards him, 
bond the whole way. And it was um, pretty cool to see that because that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's using this well-known circumstance in his time just as he would use agrarian pictures of seeds and plants and watering. He's using a well-known agricultural farm figure of speech to communicate a truth, a message. And what is that message to us who are reading it today? It's pretty straightforward. It's that we have a shepherd that can be trusted and who loves his sheep. We have a shepherd that can be trusted and who loves his sheep. Now this is a passage of scripture that could probably be preached a number of different ways. It can be broken up into multiple sermons. But as I looked at verses 1 through 21, I really felt like there were two things that were being communicated by Christ in this figure of speech that he's using. And the first is a contrast is being made between him and other shepherds. Between him and other shepherds. And that's why the background of Ezekiel 34 is so important for us here this morning. Ezekiel 34 is God's condemnation of the shepherds of Israel in that day and age. And this is what we're looking at here in Jesus' time. Jesus is almost coming forward and giving a New Testament or messianic interpretation of Ezekiel 34. Who is this servant, David, who is to come and to be the shepherd of God's people? Who is to judge those shepherds who are not shepherding the way they should be? Who are abusing the sheep? Keep in mind that this passage comes right after the whole situation or circumstance with the blind man, right? Who was cast out of the synagogue. Who was kicked out by these shepherds, these pastors. And so Christ says, those are not real shepherds. Those are thieves and robbers. Those are strangers. Those are hired helpers. I am the true shepherd. So we have a contrast. He's the true and only shepherd. These are false shepherds. But then we also have a really, really wonderful expression of the care that Christ has for his sheep, of the intimacy that Christ has with his sheep. So we have contrast, the true and only shepherd, and care, the lover of his sheep. So let's look first at the contrast that we see. And all throughout this passage, verses 1 through 3, we hear about uh, those who do not enter by the sheep pen, uh, do not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climb in some other way. They are a thief and a robber. But Christ contrasts himself with this person. He's the one who enters by the gate. He's a shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. So we see the contrast there. Verse 5, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Verse 7 through 8, 
He is the gate. All who have come before him were thieves and robbers. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Christ has come that we may have life and life to the full. Verses 12 to 13, the hired hand is not the shepherd. So when the wolf comes, he abandons the sheep, runs away. The wolf attacks the sheep or the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand, cares nothing for the sheep. But Christ is the good shepherd. The contrast being made here is clear. That Christ is the true and only shepherd, the one to be trusted, and the one whom his sheep hear and know. The one whom his sheep hear and trust and believe in. We are not to look to those who do not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climb in by some other way. We are to wait for the one whom the watchman opens the gate for and listen to his voice. We are not to follow a stranger. We are to recognize the voice of our beloved, our Savior, our only comfort in life and in death, whom has purchased us with his blood. We are not to follow after thieves and robbers who come to steal and kill and destroy. We are to look to Christ, who is the good shepherd that has come that we may have life and have it to the full. We are not to place our ultimate trust in hired hands, ones who have no investment in the sheep, for the sheep are not theirs. We are to Look to the one who has died for the sheep. Who places himself in danger for the sheep. So there's a really simple question to be asked here when Christ gives us this contrast. And it's this. Who do we follow? Whose voice do we listen to? There are so many influencers out here in our day and age. Those who can make an impact on the culture. They're permeating through the culture. It's hard to watch things like TV and commercials and videos of all sorts and not be tempted to listen to another shepherd a thief or a robber, a stranger, to look for another gate where life can be found. For that's really what Christ is saying here when he says, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers because I am the only gate which through you can enter and have salvation, life. It's very similar to Christ's words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But we look to other gates, don't we? We think that maybe we can find life in something else. We listen to other shepherds' voices. We think maybe we can gain some insight from them. This is not to say that there are not under shepherds that are given to us in the church to look to 
First Peter chapter 5 speaks to these elders and says, your responsibility is to make your shepherding follow after that great shepherd of the sheep. And so people of God, here's the litmus test. When you are looking for the voice of the great shepherd, the noble shepherd, the good shepherd, Here's the litmus test when you are trying to discern between thieves and robbers and strangers and other gates and hired hands. It's whether what they do and say corresponds with the work and witness of Jesus Christ. That great shepherd of the sheep. It's whether what they do and say corresponds With the work and witness of the great shepherd. What is that work and witness? Well, it's here in this passage, the care. So we've looked at the contrast. Let's look at the care that Christ has. He's the lover of his sheep. And verses 3 and 4 say, The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Well, Christ is saying here is that oftentimes in those days, there would be multiple flocks of sheep within a, a gated area. And there would be a watchman looking over them. Well, then you would say, well, how can so-and-so's sheep not get mixed up with this other person's sheep that they belong to? And this is how they would do it. They would come in and the shepherd would cry, call out to his sheep using a sheep call. And then all those sheep would separate from the other sheep and come out and follow his voice. He would call them by name and they would follow his voice. And the way that a shepherd would work in those days is he would go before the sheep and the sheep would follow him. Rather than a sheepdog nipping at the back of the sheep's feet to get them to go along. Right? And how is this insightful? It's insightful because what Christ is talking about here is that his entrance into the world, his ministry among the Israelites, amongst the Jews, is that he is now separating the true Jews who are circumcised inwardly at the heart from those who are not. And what has just happened with this blind man? Christ has come and he's called him out from the flock. And he has heard his voice, and he's following him. And the comfort for this blind man is that he's the good shepherd. He's the noble shepherd. Verses 9 and 11 speak to this too, the care that Christ has for his sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. In Ezekiel 34, God promised that he would be the carer of his sheep, that he would give them and provide for them life, all that they would need. And here Christ says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We hear all the time about the good life. What's the good life? All the money you can think of, all the toys you can think of, all the fun that you can think of, that's the mm, good life. Is that what Christ is talking about here? This life to the full? 
No, he's saying he, he is life. And what he gives to us is himself. Therefore, whatever may come in this life, whatever hardships we may face, whatever valleys of the shadow of death we may walk through, we have the promise that we have life and life to the full because we have Christ. That's why he is the great lover of his sheep. What is the greatest expression of his love for his sheep? Verse 14 through 16 tells us, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. In verse 11 he said it also. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Christ has shown us that he is the lover of his sheep By giving us abundant life. And the amazing thing is that this abundant life comes to us through his death. That in order to give abundant life, life to the full, to his sheep, he must lay his life down for them. And this great intimacy that we have between us, Christ's sheep, and him, the great shepherd, the noble shepherd is seen so beautifully in this passage. Verse 14 says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And how are we to understand this intimacy? That Christ knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. Well, Christ tells us, just as... The Father knows me, and I know the Father. People of God, you need to understand this, because this is profound. What Christ is saying is that the only thing of comparison that he can possibly imagine that would help his sheep to know the level, the deepness, the quality of the intimacy that he has with his own people The only comparison he can make for us to possibly grasp that and to understand that is to show you that the same way that we know Christ and Christ knows us is the same way that Christ and the Father have known each other since before the foundation of the world as Father and Son, the first and second persons of the Holy Trinity, have known each other before time ever began. Verse 17, 18. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This is important for us to understand because what we see here is that not only is Christ being obedient to the will of his Father and carrying out the salvific plan of redemption, but that Christ is also freely doing so of his own will and his own accord and by his own power. So God the Father resurrects him to life, but also Christ raises himself to life. That means that the Father and the Son are in perfect unity in what they are seeking to accomplish. 
Christ is the great care, the lover of his sheep. In verse 16, we see that Christ says, I not only have sheep from Israel, like this blind man that I have now saved, but I have other sheep. All of us. And I must bring them also. And they too will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock, one shepherd, just as Ezekiel 34 said. Great intimacy between shepherd and sheep, seeing in the sheep, knowing his voice, following him, him calling them by name, gathering them from all over the world so there can be one flock, one shepherd. And I think this is important to see because what we see here is what we would call a true unity. It's what we talk about when we say the communion of the saints in the Apostles' Creed. There's so much that divides us these days. And if you don't believe me, then you haven't watched the news lately. There's so much that strikes a chord of discord, infighting and bickering. Everything has become politicized. In John 10, we hear about the shepherd who has one flock. And this tells us that the only hope of true unity in our world is not a political ideology. It's not found in cultural or racial categories. It's found in the communion of saints, the union of the body of Christ, the one flock, the one shepherd, the lover of his sheep. That's where we find unity. That's why we come to the table with the recognition that in Christ there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, but in Him we are all one. Christ keeps His sheep safe. He gives them good pasture when they can have life to the full. He does this all by laying down His life and taking it back up again of His own accord and authority and perfect obedience to the Father. What other shepherd may I ask you, people of God, could love his sheep as Christ has. That he would die for me, for you. Warrants our great love, devotion, and praise. And if we are to look and to discern what sort of shepherd we should look for in our churches, in our homes, what sort of Shepherd, we should listen to. May it be the one great shepherd of the sheep, Christ, who describes himself here as so deeply caring for his sheep that he would lay his life down for them. Of course, we see here at the end that after these words, the crowd is divided. Verse 19, these words, the Jews were again divided. In verse 20, we hear about those who say, this man must be demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? 
How could he possibly say that he is the ultimate shepherd? He is the one final last shepherd of Israel. He is the leader of God's people, the Messiah. Except say that the way he does such is by dying. Yet some are saying, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And we must understand that when we proclaim that Christ is the great shepherd of the sheep, in our day and age, we are going to be faced with the same sort of division. For the preaching and proclamation of the gospel is accomplishing something. It's pointing out who are sheep and who are goats. It is bringing about the ultimate identity of each and every person and individual. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel is proclaimed and brings people to life as they hear the voice of Jesus Christ. As they hear him calling them by name and as they follow him. Yet, nonetheless, this does not happen to everyone. Some, in their own sin, choose to stuff their ears. Choose to not hear Christ truly is. And may we be those who are faithful in proclaiming the good news of Christ as the great shepherd of the sheep. And may we pray that many would hear, believe, and come to the table that he has prepared. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can have We ask, Lord, that you would bless us as we now turn to come to the table that you have prepared for us, that as, Father, you have given us that great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ, he has, even to this day, still feeding us, still strengthening us in our faith. that he still sets a table before us and invites us to commune with him just as you and your son have communed together since before time. Be with us. Help us to discern who are the shepherds we should listen to, whose voices we should hear, whose gate we must trust in for life. And help us to rest, truly rest, in that great care that Christ has for us. Such a great love that he has for his sheep, that he would lay down his life for them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.